Hey, uh, this is Nerds Geeks in the Kitchen Sink. It's a podcast that's like hanging out at the video store. But it's uh, not. Today it is. I mean, because we're it's like we're hanging out at the bookstore. At the bookstore today. The bookstore. Yes. And the coffee shop. Yes, yes, that's right. And the kombucha place. Kombucha. I don't know. Kombucha. Yeah. I'm a big fan. Hey, my name's I'm DK. I'm one of your hosts. <laughs> I'm Chris, your other host. And today I'm we have AG Mock. I'm not a host. Yes. Well, well you're you're a, 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 an author. Uh, a f- just a cool guy all around. I oh, think we can safely say you're the one um, person that thinks so. That's awesome. Well, there you go. You, you know. tricked us. Uh, <laughs> so today we thought we'd just uh, have a nice uh, conversation about. Well, I think number one, we should get directly into the fact that you have a brand new book. Yes, I do. Um, and it is uh, book two, I guess you would call it. It is of of three of four. It's well, it's um, there's many, many, many books of yet to many. Come. But okay. for this particular story, this trilogy, there it is. Look, oh, hang on. Yeah. Wait, we'd be like the Brady <laughs> Let's bunch. all do it at once. Yeah. We'd be like the Brady Bunch. I'm pointing at Dustin. I don't know. And this <laughs> is Chris. I'm pointing yeah. at Chris. Nope, I'm not. Yeah. There. I don't know. Is this like the Spider-Man meme? <laughs> That's right. We're all. <laughs> but I, everyone knows I'm the real Spider-Man. Right. So anyway. Uh, it's book so, two of the trilogy for the new Apocrypha, the Little right. Woods book one. Yes. Um, book three is Shadow Watchers is planned for uh, late summer. And that will complete the story, or of course, not. Yes, it may of course, leave you never know. Anger. We yeah. will see. I don't yes. know until the characters tell me what's happening. I I really can't put it on paper, but it will, for the most part, complete the story. I have a Excellent. feeling there will probably be a loose end opener too that I could always come back and we can play with later. Sure. Um, but then we have some standalone books um, starting in early 2024. So awesome. that's really exciting. Really good. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's really exciting. But excited to talk about Disciple. It's so nice to see you both have it. Yes. 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 Uh, now, I haven't had time to finish it, but I also don't think we should be spoiling anything anyway. No. no, um, no. So I would like to talk about it. Um, it. It is the continuation of the first book. There are some characters that come back. Correct. Um, but there are some new characters as well. Uh, no, it's so hard to. Um, I don't want to. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's so hard to walk that that yeah. that thin line, high, yeah. high wire. All right, here. Uh, do you want me to? I can maybe help out. Shine. Yeah, okay, you, yes, you might be yeah. the expert. By the way, well, I don't know about that. But look, by the way, do you like my? Can I just point out my mug? Haunted. Oh, very cool. Yeah, Plus, it's on like pumpkin orange. I really like it. It's very coarse, yes. right? Yeah. Haunted. Um, I forgot completely where I was because the bug, the mug was so important. You're gonna give us <laughs> a little me, a spoiler yeah. free. The, the spoiler-free Nightwire walk. Yeah. I know, it's a tough one. So, okay, so um, Disciple starts, the very first page of Disciple actually starts about maybe a couple of weeks before the end of the Little Woods. It actually rewinds a couple of weeks. There's um, a pretty significant incident at the end of the Little Woods. Yes. There's several, but there's one on the very last page. Right. Uh, but there's another pretty significant incident Happens a few weeks earlier. It's sort of at the end of that, ch- uh, uh, the previous chapter, start of the next. And um, we pick up right there with Disciple. And we can't really say what it is. Um, so it's not only is it seamless, we're actually like covering any seams there. Right. And then we move on to, we jump forward to like a couple of years to like 97. Because if you remember, this started in 1977, the Little Woods with the... Yep boys in the woods and then the adults and the repercussions in 1995 so we pick up in 1995 we jump forward in chapter 2 to 97 with diane 
And Diane in the Little Woods is the daughter of right. Brian and Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Ian Cockerton's uh, niece, I could say estranged uncle, Ian Cockerton <laughs> and his niece. Uh, right. And it's really the story of of what happens from here on out, from 97 onwards. I can reveal that Diane has a new baby brother in the family called Simon Peter. Mm-hmm. Um, we won't go into Simon Peter's necessary conception, but leave it to say that there's some interesting things about Simon Peter. And she notices from a very early age that things are happening with him that are quite spectacular. And she starts to sense with her her she has what she calls vibrations which if you remember Della spoke often in the little woods about having a certain right. vibration that she mm-hmm. could feel higher pitched or lower pitch and the lower pitch basal vibrations were very negative and the higher pitch ones were more positive diane if you remember we inferred and intimated that she has that too but we really didn't go into it in the little woods right. um, it really comes to play in the in disciple and there is going to be a lot happening with her and simon peter her baby brother, who is a good 10 or so years younger. And it gets pretty interesting pretty quick. That it does. I would say this <laughs> one, yeah, this one definitely, you know, as much that was going on in the Little Woods, this seems to like really start to ramp up, mm-hmm. you know, and, and early on. Good. Well, mm, thank you. So, you know, yeah, actually, someone yeah. else said that too. The first few cool. pages. <laughs> yeah. Someone said very similar. Um, I'm getting that feedback a lot, which is good. I really like that feedback because the little woods is 413 pages. Um, and I'll be honest with you going through it, you know, at, at any time you write, you can always go back and go, Oh my gosh, that's, I don't like this part. I love that part. I would swap this, add this, remove that. I mean, you could do that endlessly at some point you have to hit publish, right. And you have to let it go. Just like if you're an artist who paints, sometimes you have to just make that last brushstroke and let it go. Otherwise, you will endlessly be on this thing. Right. Um, but I, I, I think it's fair to say that despite, you know, obvious possible line editings where I might change a word or swap this or that out. As far as content editing goes, um, I really don't think there's anything in the Little Woods that is superfluous. You know, there are passages in there where we start talking about hair cockerton harold mm-hmm. who people call hair who's the yeah. father of brian and ian and you know his background and there's a couple of pages about him working in the steel mills and things like that um and while you might sort of feel well how's that directly relevant to the story it's it is directly relevant to the characters of the story right and the little woods and the way that i write is very very character driven and mm-hmm. um storyline driven not action driven so to right. speak so things, the characters come first and then the world they live in and what happens and what transpires during that lifetime of theirs is what the book's about. And that's how I write. So um, I really don't think there's anything I would just strip out of the Little Woods, you know, wholesale like that. Um, and so the 400 and some pages is really pretty necessary. It's because it's it's a complex, and again, because people may may not have read The Little Woods, we can go into spoilers there, but it's a pretty complex, for those who read it, um, it's a pretty complex theory that's happening in The Little Woods that starts from these kids playing a simple game in the woods and ends up as it does, which is very um, biblical, mm. very, very uh, prophetic, 
very old and crosses all sorts of lines of, of religious dogma and combines all sorts of, sorts of belief sets into a more esoteric good versus evil um, climax. So mm-hmm. I can't really see where I could still a lot out of it. However, fast forward to Disciple now, all of that's been laid out in Disciple. So now right. we're just starting to, now it's really ramping up. Yeah, The Little Woods is almost like a 400 page preface. right hopefully an an enjoyable one that people like and it could be a standalone you could read that last page and go wow that was uh that was that threw me for a loop right Uh, and then people should and and you would be okay not reading anymore if you wanted to but if you really enjoy the story it picks up and moves very fast in disciple and it will continue that momentum now well i would recommend if people are interested in disciple they should do the first book first yes Uh, yeah absolutely there's so much like you said there's so much foundational building in the first one that right i i it's it's hard to for me having read the first one to imagine going into this one now the way you've written it i don't know because i have a different perspective i did read the first one i don't know how well it would work for someone who hasn't read the first one but maybe it's maybe it would be all right i mean you do a good job of describing people and things and setting everything up so it's not like the people are going wait a minute what is this so right but i just i think that's a something to point out that if you're at all interested in disciple you should definitely check out the first one first yeah for sure i mean you you could read the little woods as a standalone um and you, you would be like wow okay so that leaves lots of interesting ideas floating around in my head when you close the the, the back cover um i think most people will want to move on because i'm i most the general feedback is that people thoroughly enjoy the little woods mm. they don't you know I, I i don't mean to be uh diminishing of it when i say it's like a 400 page preface it is <laughs> i think it's a great story people love like that the whole coming of age aspect of these boys in their you know early teens um who are playing this game of war in the woods and what happens and then how that um affects them as adults and then how i bring the whole sort of biblical religious spiritual um horror um storyline into it so i think there's you know, a great story to be had in the Little Woods for anyone who just likes horror, supernatural horror, or uh, religious horror. Um, but when you do move on to Disciple, I think you're going to get way more, you're right, Dustin, out of Disciple yeah. if you've read the Little Woods first. I mm-hmm. think you'd probably like the Disciple if you read it as a standalone, if you could sort of, I, I think I put enough clues in there, but I think most people are loving Disciple. I'm super proud. I mean, I'm getting like, great feedback from readers and critics about the little woods uh, i'm sorry about the um, i mean that too but specifically about yes. Disciple. Disciple. yeah yep. reviews are coming in like crazy high which i'm so proud of because you never That's know awesome. i mean i write what i write most authors write what they write you know yeah. but you do want to believe that what you enjoyed writing and what you would have enjoyed reading you do want to believe that other people would also <laughs> enjoy exactly. reading it we would write it anyway that's just how writers typically are but um i think but it's so nice that other people are feeling the same way about it. Like, wow, we really love this story. It's even a lot of people say it's better than Little Woods. Chris, did you finish it? Yeah, uh, I'm literally on like the last five pages. I oh, take, to, go ahead. We'll, and, we'll and, wait. You no, I, what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, um, what I wanted to say was I, I don't want anybody to call me blasphemer with this, Uh-oh. but with the Little Woods and Disciple. It kind of reminds me of the way Star Wars, the original, is set up. Because it has a definitive ending that we think. 
but it lays so much groundwork in A New Hope. And then we move on to Empire. Mm-hmm. Right. Which the stakes are higher. We find out way more that's going on. And, and it even ramps up like the storyline and the characters themselves. So, Thank you. well, I'm flattered, obviously. That's, I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, plus iconic. So- but that's, I never heard that. That's if you're looking like at um, sci fi movie compared to uh, horror literature, that's right. probably as, as good as a comparison as you, can, as you can get with what's happening. Right. I'm not saying in necessarily that it matches that, you know, no. but I hear what you're saying. Um, I think that, yeah, I think that Disciple, just like Empire, Empire was darker than, I thought Empire was way darker, didn't you? Yeah. More gothic yeah. than than uh, Star Wars. That's why it's uh, the best. Yes, I love Empire. And it has that dark gothic overtone or undertone to it. And it's right. just like, wow. And then you start to get deeper into the characters and people that were not superficial, right? But they were more of a, almost like, by again, because see, Star Wars is such a, a complex story, really, when you think right. about it. There's an awful lot to try to pack into 90 minutes or whatever it was. Um, so they have the same kind of challenge. And yeah, you know, you, these guys have dimension, but they're far more two-dimensional in Star Wars A New Hope than they are in Empire. Empire, Absolutely. they flesh out into 3D and you start to actually go inside them and, and, and understand what motivates them and their backstories and, you know, their fears and their passions. And I love that. And I think that's what Disciple does. We jump real quick into it and bam, we're with Diane. We get to be introduced to Simon Peter and you're going to have to decide whether you love or hate that little kid it's um <laughs> plus i have a, reactions i haven't finished the book but i have a strong feeling at least one character will be encased in carbonite by the end i'm just having a feeling <laughs> it might it might happen yeah. i mean i wouldn't put a bet on it but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i enjoyed disciple a lot i really yeah it's boy i just i think you probably always like your most recent work the best but i i love disciple for that i love that it has that real gothic um, dark current underneath it. Um, and if you think of a trilogy, a three-part story, that also is very important, right? Because in the mm-hmm. three-part story, Act 1, Act 2, Act 3, Act 2 is when, um, if I could just be blunt, Act 2 in, a, in typical story um, structure is when shit really goes down. Yep. Right? Yeah. <laughs> shit starts to get yep. real in Act 2. And this is Act 2 of the three-part book. So, yeah, shit happens in Disciple for real um and i don't i won't we won't spoil any endings no. but don't expect it to be like a fluffy you know exciting you know all the good guys are going to come out right you no know. no this is well, and that's kind of why i made that comparison i mean it really feels like there was so much ground you know groundwork in the little woods and then the stakes became not that they weren't real in the first book but I mean, as an overall tone, the stakes became incredibly real. In yeah, for sure. Two. Right. And I don't think it's anything giving away a spoiler in the Little Woods because it's right there on the very preface, the very first page of the Little Woods, uh, the foreword. Um, it talks about this presence, this evil right. spiritual presence that um, is prime evil meaning it is primordial. It is from, you know, the beginning of time is residing or finding its home in these woods um, where it's going to feed. And it turns out these woods 
will be one day called the Little Woods by these boys. And of course, if you think about that, we're talking about a really complex story of of pre-existing spiritual evil that goes back to the beginning of time and, you know, sitting in, in this place waiting for prophecies to be fulfilled for opportunities to take place. Um, so, you know, why would it wait until the 1970s? Well, you know, what's time to, what's time to God or what's time to the devil or, yeah, I mean, right. it doesn't exist. So um, there's a lot to pack in there and rightly so. Now, Disciple, it's, if you've read Little Woods, you know, sort of where we are as a foundation, we're off and running. But yeah, I love it. And it takes place, um, actually, Disciple pretty much takes place entirely in, except for that very first chapter, it takes place in New York City, of all places, which is where certain people live now. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Yes. Uh while we were while you were talking, I just was thinking about this, and you you know you mentioned that you how the length of these books and it's so it's so huge and these all these complicated things. Um, but my my wife recently has been going back through and reading the a lot of the old EC comics like Vault of Horror, Tales from the Crypt, things like that. Actually, nice. brought one as a visual aid just to show oh, yeah. you. Um, That's and, awesome. Is that, is that a, an original? This is a reproduction. This That's is a cool. reproduction, but there, I think from right around the time when the show Tales from the Crypt was kind of huge, like right around 90 or so, yeah. they started to really ramp these back up. Yeah. Um, but my point is, I think uh, w your style and imagination would be really cool in something, a form like this. Right. Uh, have you considered ever something like a short story turned comic book, something along those lines? Well, I'll certainly be doing short stories. Um, in fact, one of the standalone books, you know, I have this on my, so if I go on my phone, let me just see if I can pull it up. I, I won't reveal anything, of course, because that would be awful. <laughs> okay, so, all right. So I have a simple thing called book ideas on my iPhone, which is just under notes. And every time I think of something and I have the idea for the title and the basic premise, which is how I start everything, I just put it down because I know that, you know, if I don't, I'll forget or whatever. So, and these are all standalones. These are not after, I mean, these are all coming after Shadow Watchers right. this summer. Um, so <laughs> here is, I don't know if you can see, we won't, all right, we're just gonna, uh, is it gonna let us yeah. see it? No, it won't let us see yeah. it. I will tell you that, you know, that's the screen and the print is little like eight point print. And right here, we have to scroll and scroll and scroll. There's probably two, four, there's probably like 30 different book ideas right here. Excellent. So one of them is a book of short stories, which, uh, or maybe you might say um, long short stories or short novellas that hmm. will be interconnected and create one novel. Oh, That's cool. one idea. Um, of course, I'll be happy to, I'm going to be excited to do short stories for other publications and magazines and other books. And then that idea is a really cool one. Um, are you familiar with, um, I can't say that I, I know him personally, um, but, you know, I would say he's like an associate, a peer of, of mine, and we've communicated back and forth. He's uh, endorsed the Little Woods on the hardcover, and that's Clay McLeod Chapman. Do you know Clay Chapman? I don't. All right, because Clay Chapman is um, an author, 
novelist. I believe this is his third book, Ghost Eaters, just came out. And the one prior to that, his second, I believe, uh, was Whisper Down the Lane. And Clay McLeod Chapman is also a big podcaster. Um, He is a comic book writer as well. Uh Okay. He has many, many, many titles under. So if you pulled up his name real quick, I'm sure you guys. as Oh, he he has literally done some creep shows, which is the the same as this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, (laughs) That's incredible. I know. And he's, it's exactly what you said. So, you know, there's, there's a horror, a serious horror novelist who's on his third book. He is, I think, published through Quirk Books, if I'm not mistaken. I should know him. Right. He's, he, he, he worked on Devil's Reign, the Marvel's Devil's Reign. I read those. Yeah. yeah. He's, yeah. And he's also recently worked with, oh my gosh. Um, is it, um, Jordan Peele. Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He's he's worked with Jordan Peele. What was their new animation that they just came out with? Do you remember that? This sort of slightly it's family oriented, but it's got a real. Oh, dark... you know, I saw. I've seen the. It's been there for me to click on, but I've never clicked on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you're talking about. That's yeah, a, but I... that's a that's yeah. a Jordan. That's another one of Jordan Peele's um, works, and Clay McLeod Chapman worked on that one too. So he's sort of like doing all of this, you know, in yeah. that that dark storyline arena and he's not holding himself to just one medium such as novels yeah that's exactly dustin what you're talking about i'd be open to it for sure sure um to be honest though i don't really have like any other than him any direct into you know to graphic novels comic books whatever people i see whatever the pc word is for that today and the uh, movie we were just talking about is called Wendell and Wild. That's right, Wendell yep. and Wild. It's like an animated. And it's isn't it? it's uh, based on the book by, and it's it's by Henry Selick uh, okay. as well, who did uh, he he directed? I believe he directed like Nightmare Before Christmas and um, a lot of those animated, like James and the Giant Peach and things right, like that. Right. Yeah. So I'm I'm I haven't watched it yet either, and I'm I'm. You know, looking forward to whenever I have actually mm, 90 minutes yeah. where I have nothing else. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Which will be just a delicious uh, moment of R&R that I don't currently <laughs> have. Yep. But yeah, that's on my, that's definitely on my to watch list for sure. But but Clay's a, Clay, Clay seems like he's a cool guy. Um, you know, I haven't met him yet in person, maybe on the, I'm doing some tour stuff this year, which I wouldn't mind sharing. Let's talk about maybe that. Maybe I'll bounce into yeah. the tour, who knows, but. Um, uh, I, do you have dates? Do you have specific dates and, and locations? You no, know, we're working on that right now. So I have a I have a, a PR manager, a publicist that I've recently hired because I just don't have the time. Mm-hmm. It's you know right. it's taking away from my actual writing time, and I have so many people like saying, "Let's go! I want like book three. Not that it's yep. being slow, but like they just got Disciple, which just released. They read Disciple already. Now they want book three. They're keen, and I love <laughs> yeah. that. So yay yeah. for eagerness, and and I love them for being right. such um supportive and, and dedicated fans but you know I'm, I'm going as fast as i can um but uh, it's important to me to hit some in-person appearances you know i want to meet mm-hmm. people in person i want to say hey and and talk to them one by you know one one-to-one face-to-face so i've got some book signings coming up i've got um some cool horror um appearances um that we're working on one's confirmed um, so what's and they're going to just keep going. I'm going to start putting them out on my website and my author's page, which is uh, at facebook.com forward slash ag mock author. 
Um, so people should join me there or they should go to Epoch, E-P-O-C-H, thrillers.com, which is the website. Um, and it'll be announced there, etc. But um, in May, we're working on one for um, St. Uh, book signing for St. Petersburg, Florida, which would be um, mid-ish May time. And I can't confirm until things are confirmed. You know, I can't right. say. Right. Uh, but that's, you know, we're right on the cusp of that. That'll be a book signing at a bookstore um, in St. Pete, Florida, which is Tampa Bay, um, yeah. which is a really central area for people to come from south like Sarasota. It's only like 45 minutes to an hour. They can come from north. They can come from Tampa because um, I have such limited time and availability. I'm trying to make things as conducive for the largest possible group of fans to come, mm. you know, so they can we can all say, hey, um, I'm working on one for um, Baltimore. It would be just north of Baltimore. I think it's Hunt Valley area in um, early-ish June. I'm working on that, and we're pretty close. That'd be another signing. And then I'm working on about a week and a half after that, one in Denver, Colorado. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so trying to hit like, you know, so that's south, southeast coast, northeast coast, you know, a little bit further west. And then um, – for sure, and it's this is this is confirmed. Um, I'm a, one one of the guests of honor at um, SC Horror, which is South Carolina Horror. Mm -hmm. um, there's a brand new horror con that's um, um, opening up in September, mid September, in Columbia, South Carolina. Oh, They've cool. got some really cool guests. They have um, the gentleman who created The Crow. They have one of the um, co-writers of Night of the Living Dead. They have oh, cool. Tyler Bain, who's an actor who, who was in uh, Michael Myers in the Rob Zombie yeah. movies. Oh, yeah, I know him. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, who else? Dacre Stoker, who I haven't met yet, but we actually live in a similar area. Oh, uh, cool. Believe it oh. or not. Yeah. How interesting is that? Yeah. He's, he's the great. No, he's the grand, the great of the grand nephew of bram stoker and he's oh, wow. got some new dracula thing right i think yeah I just he's he, yeah he um, i don't know if he's i don't know if he's a novelist in the sense of writing his own creative novel work or whether he um is doing more documentary style um you know explorations of bram stoker i haven't really mm -hmm. had a chance to like delve through all of his work but sure. he does some really cool stuff with that i know he does trips to um Actually, where I used to live in the UK, around um, northeast England, like around in Yorkshire, around places like Whitby. It's a little okay. seaside fishing town built up on a hillside um, around a, a safe harbor inlet. And Whitby is very gothic and goes back hundreds and hundreds of years. Yep. And Bram Stoker um, stayed there. He was inspired there. Um, part of uh, Dracula is set in Whitby, North Yorkshire, and and I know that uh, Dacre Stoker is um, having trips where he actually takes people out there, and they do this whole, you know, this whole like fly out from the U.S., go hang out in England. He takes you around all the places where his great granduncle or whatever, um, you know, lived, worked, was inspired, stuff like that. That's really cool. Yeah, <laughs> I would I know, love right? to do that. Yeah, yeah that's so really I, cool. Yeah, I haven't met him in person yet, but I'm sure we will. But we'll certainly meet at least in September. That's for sure. Um, at SC Horror. But people who are interested in that one, I'm a huge you know, Dracula fan. I have to say. <laughs> oh, look at that! See, yeah. oh, there we see, go. absolutely. Well, Dracula is just the biz. I mean, uh -huh. what's not to love about Dracula? Mm. But if you're interested, you should go to SC horror.com which stands for south carolina horror 
Um, and that's the website and it tells you all about, you can get pre pre-order tickets um, and save money from um, instead of getting them at the door has all the, the mm-hmm. list of guests, including Tyler and me and um, uh, gosh, is it, is it, which one's bar? James, is it James? James bar? Obar. Yeah. Obar, yeah. The crow yeah, guy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, I think he's like the headlining guest of, of honor. Um, yeah. Yeah. This, it's just going to be very cool. So to be a guest of honor there, I'm super excited about that. And, you know, I'm, that's such a privilege, uh, but we're working on others as well, um, including out West and then one, another one in actually in Tampa. So there's a, a lot going on. I'll be updating it as we go. And I'll just start making like an event list that I'll share and update as, as things are confirmed. Awesome. I'm excited to yeah. get out there in person and see people. Do share you have like a, too, and we'll, we'll oh, get yeah. it out there. Too. Absolutely. Oh, do you, ha- cool. do you have you. like a, um, like a mailing list that you yes like a newsletter yeah i have people the inner should, sanctum people should do that yeah they should if you go to you can go to either epoch thrillers e-p-o-c-h thrillers with an s at the end doc epic thrillers.com or if it's easy to remember you can go to ag mock a-g-m-o-c-k.com it goes to the same place um and i have all sorts of information there i'll post the events there too but I do have, thank you for mentioning that, Dustin. I do have the um, Inner Sanctum, which I love my Inner Sanctum. I love all my fans, but my Inner Sanctum ones are super cool because they aren't just like fans and readers and Facebook fans. They actually are the ones who opt in to hear all the stuff as it's happening. And in turn, I reward them and it's free for them. Um, I reward the uh, that sort of like dedication, though, by offering all sorts of news and and opportunities usually at least 24 hours before I post it publicly on Facebook. Yep. So like when we, uh, when I had the hard, uh, hardcover launch of disciple, which is officially the 28th of this month, it is however, already available for pre-order on Amazon. And I understood as soon as it came on that Amazon somehow had either printed or was in the process of printing hardcover copies for early release prior to the 28th of this month. So as soon as I heard that, I sent out an email to the Inner Sanctum and said, if you guys want to get a hard copy and you want to get it before the pub date, which is not for another week and a bit yet, yeah. <laughs> then you can go in on Amazon and, and hit it now. And so they did. And and like instantly there were a bunch of sales of the hardcover. And I know that, um, and I did it too, believe it or not. I actually went and bought my own hardcover just like because <laughs> I wanted to experience it the way you know, a reader would. Yeah. And yet it came, gosh, I have had it for almost a week already. Okay. So yeah. And I don't know if that's true anymore. I think they may have run out of those pre-order like early de- delivery sure. copies, uh, but like the inner sanctum had that opportunity before I announced it on Facebook. Um, sometimes I do giveaways or promotional stuff or, you know, special, like so much money off or extra value, whatever. And that all goes to the inner sanctum email first. So if it's a finite pot of goodies, they get the first crack at it. And then I do, you know, my wonderful Facebook followers. I have like 6,000 something on Facebook now, which is another huge honor. Very cool. And they're all very That's engaged, awesome. by the way. Yeah, they're super engaged. I mean, yep. they don't. it's not like I just post there and people go, oh, yeah, that's awesome. <clears throat> like they actually, I post there and they, I try to post like things that make sense or have value. And boy, the engagement is typically really high. Like That's very I posted, cool. Yeah, I just posted. I think what yesterday or yeah, yesterday about yeah. about this, and already there were people like, yeah, I'm going to jump on, and you know, they engage very quickly, which is which is exciting. 
Awesome. Very passionate readers. Well, hello yeah, to those I people. Love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it makes you know it makes a difference because this is not always easy sitting here on your own, um, listening to these characters in your head and and right. <laughs> trying to transcribe it all, you know, effectively and hoping mm-hmm. that other people would be interested as well. So when you have people like that engaging and saying, you know, I love this or I want to do that or I want to meet you or hey, here's an idea. I mean, I listen to, I try to respond number one to everybody. Um, if anyone, hey, if anyone's out there who I do not ever respond to on Facebook, please don't take it personally. <laughs> it may it's be personal. that I it's missed personal. it. <laughs> well, Facebook has this weird algorithm. I don't know if you guys have noticed if you have a page, like a profile page as, yeah. as opposed to an, an individual one, that they they show the comments what they consider most relevant. Yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah. So, oh, yeah, yeah, it's annoying as, as crap because... I, I don't know where they think it's most. Yeah, relevant. I want to see all the comments. That's yeah. Right, right, right. I want to yeah. see them all. They should just show all the comments, especially to me. Um, and I'll be honest, it, until I figured this out, I was finding that I had to hit like new or newest, I think it offers, or all, mm-hmm. you know, to see them. And I was missing out on people and I felt really bad about it. So I, I would yeah, for, go through. Yeah, for our page, I've got to do that all the time is go in and hit all the to show because it, it's so stupid and frustrating yeah. right i mean why facebook thinks that they should con- number one even put most relevant like someone else's comment isn't important right i hate that i think that's such a bad thing um but i want to try to comment to everybody if i can and i in right. most cases I, I i think i do um so that's awesome i to be to have that kind of engagement and that kind of reader base already is you know dream come true so i want to meet them in person that's what i'm excited about this year yeah, that'll be really That's cool. Awesome. Yeah, well, if you're ever up here, <laughs> we'll yeah. we'll come by. Remind me where you are again. Uh, sort of the Midwest, Illinois, Saint, near St. Louis, close to St. Louis. Yeah, we're kind of okay. right in between St. Louis or Springfield, and Chicago. yeah, whichever or Chicago. We can do that. Right. Yeah. Come say okay. hi. Well, I mean, Chicago definitely has stuff happening all the time. So yeah. mm-hmm. I, that area will definitely be on the list. I've actually had readers. Um, I've, I take requests from readers like, hey, tell me what where you are, what your favorite bookstore is, you know, if you have any horror cons in your area that you know of. Sure. And like I take all that very um, I take it to heart because if someone is a reader and they want to meet me and they're living in, say, Dallas and I have several people saying, boy, I'd love to meet you in Dallas, then yeah, I'm going to add Dallas to the opportunity list. Of course, so that's just down to whether there's an event there that is relevant. And if not, if I can squeeze in a book signing. I mean, it's a long way to fly from South Carolina to Dallas just for yeah. a three-hour book signing. Right. <laughs> but if it's part of, you know, and there are things happening where I'm going to be touring and I'll go leg to leg to leg for maybe a week or two or three, sure. um, then I would love to add it. So by all means, Excellent. I'm, I'm Excellent. open to ideas of where to go and and uh, and events that are happening because I, I don't possibly know them all. Right. How could you? No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, what? Well, anything else? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go on. Just on that before we go off. What's the yeah. biggest? What in you? Do you guys know? I mean, what's like the biggest sci-fi horror show in in the country right now? Is there one? I mean, that stands out that you in know the of? country. Yeah. Is it the Na- or is it Nashville? Is it Nashville? I don't know about I mean, in the I, country. Yeah. I'm trying to think right, like right off the top of my head. Right. Because I know the big like horror movie and and comic and thing. It, it, uh, I'm thinking there isn't the big one in Nashville usually. 
Yeah. Well, that's reasonable. That's only like yeah. a six or eight hour drive for me. And I would rather drive than fly. And that's, that. that's honestly about the same distance for mm-hmm. us too. Mm-hmm. I'll look into it, but you know, I want to know those kind of things. And that's, that's why I've, I've got a new person What's working it? with me. Who's a publicist. Cause she's going to DK. Look where does Joe Bob have his big week? I would assume Texas, but I actually, I don't know. Okay. He's done. I mean, I know like, like recently he took people through uh, like Graceland. So I, I don't know no, what was that was about. Joe Bob Briggs. He's a horror host. He's been, he's been on TV since the early nineties. Uh, maybe even before that. Yeah. Um, he's like a horror. Um, I, I guess you'd say he's like a horror reviewer slash. Uh, the last sort of historian. Elvira. Okay. They all Elvira. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He's like he's kind of like Elvira, but he he's, like he's one of those guys yeah. who's been in the industry for so long and reviewing movies for so long and he knows everyone. Um he has a show on Shutter currently, but he used to be like late night on like I I, I want to say it was TNT or TBS. I or, think I know you mean. Yeah. He had a show called Monster Vision in the 90s that I used to watch. It was the first place I saw yeah. for example the movie They right. Live. Uh Right. He showed me Godzilla for the first time and all kinds of cool stuff. So Joe Bob's a big deal for me and he uh yeah, he's he's still doing all kinds of stuff. That's cool. Yep. Uh, but all anyway, right. let's hit it. What do you want? I want. Do we, we didn't even play a game this time, which I'm so no, disappointed when you both, quite frankly. I didn't I, prepare I, one. I, I kicked ass last last. Yeah, uh, you, you, you made such a statement before that I don't think uh, <laughs> would be necessary. Right. Oh, gosh. Um, so I'm, just, I'm kidding, by the way. I was so petrified <laughs> as a horror author that you were going to talk to me about things that I would have no idea, and you know. And I would just be sitting here looking transparently awful. Well, horror <laughs> literature and horror film is completely different. So, I mean, they're very t- t- intertwined. They do but, go hand in hand. Yeah, but they are hand in hand, but very different. Yes, yes, in many ways. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And I'm more of a, I mean, I love to read, of course, but I would consider myself a movie person over being a book person. Right. Um. So with that in mind, we thought we'd take a look at some upcoming movie trailers Sweet. And two uh, that are kind of relevant. Yeah. Uh two that are kind of relevant to sort of you, you would fit in here, I think, is what I'm saying. So okay, let's see. Nice. I'm gonna open up this one and let the ad play because I of course don't have YouTube premium. Right. Uh and then we'll do uh I'll screen share it for you and we can discuss it as it goes. Yeah. Cool. And I would encourage you to react to talk over it. I'll be pausing it to point things out. Uh let's see here. Um, why is it doing that? Okay, here we go. The first one is called The Pope's Exorcist. Have you heard of this? I have not. Is this a new? It's a new this movie. It's a new one. Yep. Okay. yep. I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. It's nice. based on an actual person. It's got Russell Crowe in the movie. Really? And it's the actual, yeah, the priest that basically is the personal exorcist for the Vatican. Sweet. I actually refer to him and, and intimate things regarding that individual you're speaking about in the Little Woods. Very, very cool. So yep. very relevant. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, this will be on my watch list for sure. Here we go. The Pope's Exorcist starting now. Father Gabriele Amort. On the night of June 4th, you performed an exorcism. Not very successful. She's jumping off a, a building. <laughs> uh, I, I, I like his, 
I like his little hat. Uh, I love it already, so I'm already. You can take my money now. I'm in. I mean, the, I, very, the very beginning scene of that entrance alone, yeah, you know, is reminiscent of uh, Blatty. You know, yeah, for imagery. Sure. All right, you're right. That was not an exorcism. He's doing the voice. Okay, now stop real quick. Did you what? notice that she has wings? I was gonna say, <laughs> you know, that's pretty pretty symbolic, real flat. I mean. Let me go back. Let me go back. Yeah, I missed it. Let me there look. you go. Okay. Yeah. Oh, look at that. The blood is in the shape of wings. Love it. Okay. You don't love that. I love that. It, yeah. it it looks like she she's really far away from the building. I don't know how far. I don't know. Anyway, let's go. The majority of cases do not require. It does look exorcism. beautiful. Yeah. I love the cinematography. Yeah. Recommended by him to doctors and psychiatrists. The other two percent. I call it evil. We have more questions for you, Father Mort. You have a problem with me. You talk to my boss. He's a loose cannon priest. <laughs> <laughs> right. But he is absolutely, you're absolutely right. So for people who don't know him, he, Father Amort is very much a real individual. Yes. And he did, he was the, the official exorcist for the entire Catholic Church worldwide. And he was also, uh, he also wrote about it several times. Yes. Um, and so everything that we know about exorcism in contemporary um aspects of it come really from him and it all it all flows downwards from there he's it's, the man. It's a fascinating story so yeah i'm in on this one yeah all right i hope well, they stick i hope they stick real to it i hope i hope it doesn't go off all crazy we'll see <laughs> okay all right that needs your attention bring me the priest i'm here to help julia Take caution, there are secrets buried there. I love that. Some what is that? A well or something with all those skulls in there? The skulls yeah, skeletons. It. Yeah, it looked like yeah. the whole skeletons around there. He's uh, he's uh, like at some kind of an old castle. Like you can sign right. me up for that. I do. I do yeah. want to see an old castle anytime. You know, he's about to conceal. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, and obviously this being a Hollywood movie, there's going to take some extreme uh, liberties you know, liberties to, mm -hmm. to for this, which is fine to, you know, for somewhat. But as long as his basic story is, which I've seen a ton of interviews with him being, you know. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I got okay. excited. <laughs> I got excited. That's actually a good, it's a, it's a good stop point right here. Because that is an actual Vatican seal. If you growing up Catholic, I kind of <laughs> right seen seen several things like this. So go ahead. You said Vatican seal. I'm like, does the Vatican have a water park? Do they, is they do they have like oh water animals? <laughs> All right. All right. The church has fought against this demon before. The Vatican covered it up. We need to find out why. You've been played. You talk the fates. Whatever you do, you only do because God allows it. 
lots of people getting flipped in in this and thrown. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I I do actually like the eye, whatever that effect is with the eyeballs. Yeah. Pretty cool. And, and the fact that you know that close up shot that kind of just brings a change, you know, in the tone of it real fast. That's cool. Those where, where it doesn't have to be like overly, you know, absurd scene. Just that little powerful change knows you know kind of lets you know shit's gonna right. go down. Mm. Subtlety, yeah. All right, Imagine what could happen if the devil possessed the soul of the Pope's exorcist. Who will defend you? My faith does not require defense. April 14th. There you go. Very well, soon. I'm in. I'll definitely yep. go see that one for sure. Oh, yeah. I just hope I'm not disappointed. I hope it doesn't turn out to be too um too hokey. over the top. Yeah. Yeah, mm. too over the top, too hokey. There are a couple of scenes in there where I was a little bit like, mm, okay. Yeah. Really- <laughs> yeah. Uh it I it'll be fun. I'll definitely go see it. I'm I'm definitely I'll watch anything anything horror pretty much, but right. Uh specifically. Well, and I love uh, clearly from what I write, I love um, religious horror for w- want of a better term which is you know the archetypal good versus evil god sure. versus satan you know angels versus demons horror i love that and there's mm-hmm. actually very little of it today there's an awful lot of for decades there's been a ton of slasher films just left right and center and and i'm sure you guys are going to mention the latest scream six which is you know i can't even believe that there were five previous ones but, <laughs> you're, not, you're not a fan yeah. of the scream nah, well we'll get into that in a minute I'm sure. but <laughs> you know here, listen, here's the thing for me, guys. It's not that I'm dissing it, so don't get it, don't get me wrong. But there is a difference between a scary film, a scary um, story, a scary novel, because you're building up characters and you care about them and what's going to happen, and things start to spiral out of their control. There is something really terrifying about that. Um, for me, I don't feel that it's particularly terrifying to see just a bunch of immediate blood and guts and gore, which just continues all the way through the film in various capacities. Um, and then ends with some kind of like, Oh no, not her <laughs> final girl scene. Yeah. So you know, it's sort of number one, it's a little bit um, formulaic. And number two, it's just, it's okay. Been there and done that. Now there it's basically full. It's for in movies. It's jump scares, right? That's what they call it. It's jump full of jump scares. Hmm. And I wouldn't say scream. I wouldn't say scream is kind of has those, but um, it, it is certainly like a, a take on. I think I think you can give scream some points for being uh, sort of flipping the script a little bit on a, a slasher. Like that's its whole thing is that it's sort of a, a meta take on slashers as a genre and kind of right. makes some of the points that you are arguing for, if you ask me. But yeah. um, um you know, and some of the sequels are maybe not as successful. I was going to say maybe uh, the first one. I love the first. Into, I, I yeah. think the first one is really, really good. Um, right. I did. Oh, not I love hate it. Don't get me wrong. One. I love Scream, so I'm not dissing mm-hmm. it. I'm just in general. If you said, do you want to see like a like spiritual horror, demons, right. things that are crazy out of your control, or do you want to see someone running around with a knife? I'm going to pick the former than the latter. Typically, right. 
Hey, that's, that's just, that's that's just, 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 other ones that's just a right. taste. That's just a personal taste. I get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no, yeah, there's no wrong answer whatsoever there. No. And there is typically, um, demographically, there is typically a, a delineator with um, films that oftentimes the slasher films are aimed at that um, younger audience demographic. Mm-hmm which is sure. why they'll often have, you know, don't have sex because sex is bad. And if you have sex, you're going to die. Not, <laughs> not that you're going to have a baby and you're going to wish you were dead because you have a, a life of, of drudgery from the age yeah. of 17, which you should have maybe held off to your 25. <laughs> That's that to me would be terrifying. I would see that movie instead of <laughs> you have sex, you will die because you will get slashed by somebody with a knife. Yep. That's the old, that's the Jason <laughs> Voorhees of it all for sure. Right. You know, in the car, you know, in yeah, in the boat, in the field, or whatever. Yeah, so it's sort of aimed at that demographic. Typically, not all of them. I like the ones when they're, they're aimed at a at slightly different demographic, and they don't use that trope of sex is bad and will get you killed. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I you know I'd like that. And Scream does have an element of that. At least the first one did. Yeah. Let's see about the new one. Do you have the trailer for the new one? Is that? Uh- I have it if we want to watch. I, I was actually going to show you something called The Boogeyman. Are you familiar with The Boogeyman? Um, this is this. Has there been King? one before? Is this a, is this? A this is not. Okay. Yeah, there was a Boogeyman before. Yes. But this is not related to that. No. Uh, okay. That's no, a I'm ghost house sure. movie. No, that movie. Not great. <laughs> okay. uh, this is based see. on a Stephen King story. Yep. Okay. Stephen King. Yeah. All right. Promising already. Yeah. And this one has the uh, little girl that played Princess Leia in Kenobi. In oh, yeah. I can't remember her name, but I know who you mean. All right. Let me get that screen pulled up. Okay. Get in here. I don't know how you sleep with all these lights. What are you scared of? That is Princess Leia. Yep. It is. Mm-hmm. I don't see anything. Okay, monster check complete. I like the shots so far. Well, and it's the funny way that the, the scenery design, the way they're the camera angles, you know, you almost, you know, already know to a degree maybe something's going to happen from that closet. I mean, right. that's pretty much an easy given, but to see it from the inside instead of like from the girl's perspective, it's hmm. kind of an interesting shot. Well, it's funny that the other Boogeyman film got brought up because I think this is literally how that movie starts. There's a parent saying, oh, look, there's nothing in your closet. And then right. it comes out of the closet and, and gets the parent. Right. So uh, let's continue here. See, that That's what happens when you're a stupid parent. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> is that a life day orb? I hope so. <laughs> This is a clever device. I, I think this yes. is a real, a, a really interesting tension device using this uh, mm-hmm. this orb here. Yeah. And the the you know inverted shot here. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is very good. Okay. Around forever. Hidden in the dark. Like That's a fire monsters you think are hiding under your bed. Sure. 
not real. What is this? David Nismolchin. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah. It's the thing that comes for your kids when you're not paying attention. You believe me? Don't you? I just want to pause it for a second and say, I'm really into this one. Uh, I show this trailer to my 10 year old and she's like, I'm not seeing that. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, uh, uh-uh, you have fun. Yeah, See, and these are the kind of things that, you know, I, I love like the last movie, those, those movies, but for a, you know, your, your horror monster kind, mm-hmm. I like this because it's not overtly, you know, slasher esque. This Correct. is that this is that hand in the dark that you don't see uh-huh. that little shadow behind you that rises kind of thing, which is is the thing that really gets me when it comes to horror. Yeah, for sure. Me too. I agree with that. This is this is the supernatural. Yeah, ghost in ghost in the house, the unseen hand, all of it. Yeah, I like it. Yep. Yep. It was just a little left here. Oh, maybe nothing left. Oh, there you go. That was it. <laughs> that little girl's adorable. She was, yeah. um, she was the Le- Leia in um, Obi Wan, right? Yeah. The the Disney limited series Obi Wan. Yeah. yeah, I believe so. She was. She was awesome. Yeah, she, she was, was good. Yeah, we had ideas about how Obi Wan could have been better, but I think she was not the problem. No. Right. But yeah, so I love both of those. The good selections, by the way. So thank you. Two thumbs yeah. up. Um. I, I would definitely go to both of those films for sure. They're more my cup of tea, personally. Mm-hmm. I love that sort of the what the scariest thing is the thing that you don't see. Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely more into the boogeyman. Uh, that right. one looks that one looks good to me for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Pub's Exorcist will be fun. I I I do have a little harder time with the religious horror. It just doesn't do that much for me. Although again, Exorcist scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Right. So I don't know. Do that math. Right. I don't know. Um, but. Uh, boogeyman for me i think is the one that i'm between those two certainly more looking forward to the movie that's on the horizon for me is mm-hmm. evil dead rise um okay I'm, yes. I'm, evil dead is my favorite thing that there's ever been so uh you know that's uh that's for me nice do you have a trailer of it or not ah, we don't have to i don't have to make you sit through that but uh <laughs> i just want to talk about how excited i am that's <clears> super <throat> cool yeah for sure so um you know what? It's interesting. You were talking. I liked Chris how you had brought up um, about like the camera angles and all that kind of stuff. You know, I love. You know what? I one of the genre that I love in movies, which is um, sadly I think too rare nowadays. And when it's done, it has to be done really well. Is um, westerns? I mm. love contemporary I'm a huge western fan. Yeah. Westerns. I'm not I'm not saying the spaghetti westerns, which is what people probably first think of is that, you know, that silly, you know, Lone Ranger 1960s, 70s kind of stuff. I'm talking about like when they you get a really solid western um that has a lot of grit to it, right? Yeah. It's very atmospheric, very sort of dusty, a lot of undertone, all that. I love that kind of stuff. Um and I rented we watched um Old Way. Is it old, called Old Way or The, the Old, old Way? Old Way with, with Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage? Yep. Has anyone seen that one yet? I have. Did, okay, what did you think? I liked it. I liked it. I I mean, it had a, a few 
things that I was like, does he does know? he cage out? Does he go cage? Does he go full cage? Not really, I, 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 I think, think he plays a little more subtle, which is actually better for this movie. Yeah, it is, yeah. and that's what I wanted because I when I saw the the like sort of trailer, he was a an older gentleman. He was not the Nicolas Cage that you know is dyeing his hair pure black and trying to look like he's forty two when he's yeah. not. Right, um, he looked like he was embracing his age and he was playing that fatherly mercantile shop owner right. who has a past. And I was like, this sounds perfect. He's going to be. I'm going to like this. And I was so excited, but I got, I, I don't know. It just, it missed the mark for me. I think the story was great. I liked yeah. the story. Um, Cage was okay. I thought it was more, which is why I think I prefaced it like it did Chris. I think it was more, not so much any of that, but just, I don't know, like the camera angles and the yeah. lighting. And I think like, it was trying to be unforgiven without any yes. of the, you know, the cinematography of it. Right. Absolutely. You know? And there was something about like even the sets, uh, everything, everything just drove me nuts. It looked like, you know, they were sitting in the log cabin and we won't spoil it. But remember whenever the marshals, the U.S. marshals sitting with the girl oh. on the front porch of the log cabin because something big just happened. And, you know, log cabins were logs with, you know, mud and straw and things between the logs to bonded together and act yeah. as insulation. And there's a log behind her of the log cabin. And then there's a bright white strip that looks like toothpaste. And then there's another, another it, log. I, I know what you mean. It seemed too clean. Everything was too clean and too, tidy and it looked impossibly like it looked like it looked like a, a Disney set. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Instead of yeah, for sure. And I was I like, oh, well, yeah. there was one point in the town where they actually I don't know if you caught it, Chris, where they actually had you know, there's dust, the dusty town with all of its separate buildings and they're interconnected with that wood sidewalk, which is all good. But then there was one that said cafe. Now, <laughs> I, number one, I know what you mean, but I really didn't pay that. I, I, I remember seeing that. You know, any, no. any town in 1880s West America did not have a cafe. Yeah. You went to get a coffee from a, if you got a cup of Joe, or a Java a saloon, you, yeah. You got it boom, with a tin cup from a saloon. Yeah. <laughs> cafe. cafe. Oh my god, number one, a freestanding building said cafe. And I just yeah. I cringed. I'm cringing now. I got goosebumps. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> Fringe bumps. Uh, <laughs> and I kid you not, it literally reminded me of the town they built in Blazing Saddles. Right. To look like the town. The, the fake town. <laughs> the fake town. Right. Yeah. It, exactly. There was something about it that if they had put more effort into the sets into the lighting now. into the camera work the cinematography it could have been a fantastic story i was pretty much i was a little disappointed i think that's why i think unforgiven is probably like one of the best modern westerns oh for sure yeah yeah and what's the does any do you know since you you, you since you're the western aficionado one of my favorite newer ones is with Kiefer sutherland and donald sutherland father and son do you know that? Oh, you know the I, name of that I one? know the movie, but I can't remember the name of it. Fantastic movie. I haven't I mean, seen it. Google it because it's if you haven't, you don't have to be a Western fan to like it. Great story, no, yeah. phenomenal acting, great sets, very believable. Like the 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 old way with Nicolas Cage, they broke uh, the fourth wall. I constantly felt like I was watching a movie instead of in right. there with the characters. Mm -hmm. Just because of you know, and everything was so crisp and clean and sharp, and yeah. the cafe, and it was. <laughs> freestanding building and then cafe was written in like a like a helvetica and i'm like <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. i'm like 
Oh my god. So yeah. You know, we're almost waiting for the neon to click on. <laughs> <laughs> right. We yeah, uh someone come out with a briefcase on his cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> we wrote westerns for the show once. Yeah. Yep. Did um, you? Yeah. Um, what was yours called, Chris? Do you oh, remember? I can't, I can't remember the name of it, but what was it? The, it was like the last ride of somebody. Yeah, I think you're onto it. Uh, but I had like classic, you know, I I think I had, um, yeah, I'm looking up when I, I can't remember I'm what I had. Now, yeah. Right uh, I mean, oh, I, of course, I don't have the names. Right. Oh, wait, wait. No, I, yes, I do. Yep. Mine was called Bone Orchard. Yeah. Nice. And, like and it. Your, yeah. And yours was called The Last Ride of Sam Houston. That was it. That was it. That, that yours, does sound great. I think you'd like one more than the other. It does <laughs> <laughs> sound good. It was cool. a little more like Bone Tomahawk. Okay. Mine, mine did have werewolves, dead. right? Yeah. 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 Okay, well, I like that. Bone Tomahawk was actually pretty good. It was brutal as well. But it was yeah, brutal. I love that movie. For Super sure. brutal, yeah. but yeah, I loved it. And again, gritty and realistic. Yeah. Yep. The Kurt one I, I found, the one, Chris, it's uh, Forsaken. Okay. With uh, with, with Kiefer, and Donald Sutherland. Yeah. Fantastic movie. And, and again, most of these, most of the tropes of these uh, Westerns nowadays are typically, you know, guy with a past that's not so... Um, favorable has to whatever reason has to leave his his good ways and go back to his, the, his the past Shane the yeah. yeah and uh this is along the lines of it but you never once i never once at least um found myself comparing that one to unforgiven right right with um with um oh my gosh eastwood eastwood yeah clint so Forsaken, highly recommended. Even if you're not a horror fan, or, I'm sorry, a Western fan, just a great one. Yeah. But yeah, Old Way, I was like, mm. yeah, it could have been so much better. I thought, but there you go. Yeah, I just went way off topic. Sorry, we went. I didn't think no. we'd be talking westerns, but I'm for. I'm here for it. Let's. Three Ten to Yuma, the new one is a, the newer one is a good one too, and that's with Russell Crowe. Yep. Yeah. Oh, the Pope's I mean, Exorcist, awesome. Yeah, but the Russell Crowe one, loved it. We're right up there with Forsaken and Unforgiven, if you ask me, three times yeah. a year. Super gritty, super realistic. Just felt every moment of that emotion. Yeah, and Russell Crowe did a great job. They're doing a sequel to Gladiator. Why? Yes. Good question. Why? It is, it is like later on and Lucius is Emperor. Mm -hmm. And I know they just added uh, Barry Conan. Interesting. And uh, Denzel Washington actually is on board. Oh well, so I well, I watch like, anything with Denzel. Stop yeah, there. yeah, I know. And Gladiator is probably like my one A favorite movie ever. Favorite yeah. favorite movie ever. So, yeah. and I'm well, if they're gonna get Denzel Washington in it, he's not gonna. Do, I think he doesn't do anything that's not top notch. Yeah, I mean, is it what's is it the Equalizer? Is that the one that he's in? He yep. did those, yeah. He's doing yeah. another one too. Like, yeah. don't aren't there already two or three of them? Two, two of them. There's two. He's, right be, he's working on the third one. Yeah, I love that one. I, and I love that again. That same, you know, all of these, right? And if I if I sell the film rights or video rights for limited series to the Littlewoods, I will only do so if it's going to be in that kind of, of vein, right? We're talking yeah. about, and I think that's why for me it doesn't matter the official genre. When you look at these movies, you look at Forsaken with the Sutherlands. You look at 
Unforgiven. You look at Gladiator. You look at um, The Equalizer with Denzel. They're all dark, right? They're all gritty. They all have this real undertone that you can feel the vibration all the way through the movie. You're just waiting for stuff to start to just peel off like crazy because you know yeah. it's coming. Um, and I love that. And, and none of them are over the top, no. even if there's something in there that is an over, over the top um, possibility. They're done in such a way that you believe it and you feel it and you're right there. They never break that fourth wall. And I love all of those. It doesn't matter the genre. So yeah. if Denzel's in it, he's going to be, is going to be a good one. Yeah. That's my huge thing is I'm a huge cinematography person. Yeah. I mean, I it can, the story can be, it has to be decent, but if it had gorgeous, immaculate cinematography, you know, I'm going to enjoy it more. You know, we talked about those movies, you know, um, say like even um, Equalizer 2. Right. Some of the shot that last fight scene, mm -hmm. you know, with, um, um, oh, Pe Pedro, Pedro Pascal. Pascal. Mm -hmm. You know, that whole scene in the city with the hurricane coming and right. that, you know, the shots of, you know, you go from him being on top of that tower looking down and the way the city looked. You know, to shots of back and forth in the city. You, you know, it just. Chris, you bring something up that I yeah. want to. I want to mention. Sure. Because there is a thing happening in horror right now that's being discussed quite a bit. Okay. Uh, this horror subgenre called liminal horror. All right. Oh, nice, interesting. Um, can I ask you guys for a favor? Yeah. yeah. Before we jump into this, can I just pause for one quick second? Sure. Go for it. Well, I'll get into a couple of things, and I know you'll be interested in this. Um, the Hellboy, the Crooked Man. Yep. Uh, Brian Taylor is directing. Mm -hmm. uh, they're finishing everything up, getting ready. Uh, they've already... What else has he directed? Oh, God. I had it, and of course, now you tell me. You're going to make me Google it? Yes, I'm going to make what you is Google this? it. Brian Taylor. Let's see. Oh, wait, what? Did he direct Crank? Oh, yeah, he wrote, yeah, he yeah. Wrote, Crank. wrote Crank. I want to know what he's directed. Uh, let's see. IMDb, the new layout for IMDb sucks. I know. I hate it. Um, so he directed Crank, Crank 2, the movie Gamer, yeah. Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance, the Nicolas Cage movie Mom and Dad, which I liked. Yeah. And then something called, oh, the show Happy. Okay, so yeah. I've seen everything this guy's directed. <laughs> yeah. I knew he had been, you know. Yeah, okay. Man, I'm not good. And plus that uh, author earlier that AG brought up, I was like, oh, I, I don't know. know that. But then I saw that I've read so many of his things. And, I like, know. Seen his, I was like, uh-oh, I feel like a douche. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, okay, yeah. So he he's definitely um, got some good things under his belt. Yeah. And then uh, Jack Case... Is the uh, Jack Casey is uh, the guy that's gonna play uh, Deadpool? Hell Hellboy, you or, mean? or Hellboy? He was in. He was Black Tom in uh, Deadpool too. Okay, so that's why that's why I said that. But yeah, well, any any more Hellboy is a win in my book. So right, sign me right. up for the Devil's Right Hand. And then uh, Guillermo del Toro is doing a Frankenstein movie. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like a, uh, he's Oscar the right guy Isaac. to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Is he doing Oscar, a faithful, like 
Mary Shelley Frankenstein, or is he doing a Frankenstein's monster goes crazy? Do we he'll know? probably do sure. a fairly. He'll he probably will do, do a fairly. Yeah. Yeah, he'll do. He'll do something interesting, regardless. I think he'll he'll find the uh, art and the beauty of it, and he won't. It won't be a slasher or anything like. I mean, yeah. you know, Del Toro. He's one of yeah, the best. Yeah, I like him. Did you watch Cabinet of Curiosities? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty uh, good. Some of them were varying degrees of quality, I thought, but mostly right. I, I want there to be another season for sure. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And yeah. there was, I agree with with what you said. Uh, the first one was just, I loved the first one. Just it captured me right away, and I was absolutely. Yeah. Some of them yeah. didn't match up to the first one, but several did. I agree, hundred yeah. percent. I like his, I like his artistry, and again, same thing, that grittiness. By the way, I apologize for that having to run out real oh. quick. But oh, no, it's worries. actually a phone call that I need to make, which I did real quick. Um, it was we're we're one one o'clock here where I'm at. It was with one of these uh, appearance opportunities, so that's good. So getting real close with that one to confirm. So, awesome. Excellent. I apologize, awesome. but it's super important. Oh, no problem. Nothing no problem. About. And I didn't want to. I didn't want to close off because we're getting into some fun stuff. Yes. So I want to go back to. There's a conversation in horror right now that's going on. This this genre, this subgenre called liminal horror. Okay. Um, have you guys? Do you guys have you heard of liminal I, horror? I have not. Chris, any any thoughts on liminal horror? I may it's know what you're new. talking about, but after yeah. you kind of okay. describe um, it a little bit. It's better. been going on for a long time. It kind of originated on the internet. Um, it's one of those things you you would get sent something, you know, like in a chain mail or um, okay, find it on some weird forum somewhere, right? Yeah. But basically, the best example of liminal horror that I can think of is that recent movie, Skinamarink. Okay. Now I know what you're talking about. Okay. Okay. Ag, have you seen Skinamarink? I have not. Okay, I, I've heard it's excellent, but brutal as well. Is that correct? Is that a good assessment? Um, brutal in a different way. Um, brutal, not in a physical. It's not physically violent, um, or really show you anything. Yeah. Um, it, it's a brutal watch in some respects because it is. It's first... very mentally tormenting. It it really it's nice. it, 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 it so the way Skinamarink, and this is a movie that is so divisive against everyone who's seen it because some people yeah me included really really liked it i bought into it i i fully i'm on board for skin and but i it's hard to even call it a movie it is more of this strange almost experiential thing there is a movie there there is there is yeah. a um a narrative there is a story but it is not traditional it is definitely an experimental type thing but what what this liminal horror is is it's sort of it focuses heavily on the, the space of where it takes place and sort of um, the strangeness of that can come from a place, um, a, the, a childhood, your childhood view of your home when you were when you were young, when you woke up in the middle of the night and no one else was awake and you're looking around and the whole place seems different and weird and strange. Um, that's what that's what Skin and Marink is all about. And uh, there's there's other movies that have kind of tapped into this recently, but there's there's this whole thing. I've heard I've heard this discussion of is it effective? Is it is is it even horror? Some people ask. Well, I think there's no question that it's horror. But I just wondered if you if you guys had any thoughts on that. But if you haven't seen Skinamarink, you know, there's no. But I have to now. When was it released? It's fairly new, isn't it? Just recently. Yeah, yeah. it's on yeah. Shutter. If you do uh, Shutter, I recommend late at night, all the lights off, watching nope. Skinamarink. It's something to watch by yourself late at night. Yeah, it wouldn't it, it wouldn't hurt it 
for sure. <laughs> but um, see, I love that. So you've already sold me on that one too, because again, you're saying that like it's not a slasher film, it's not the obvious mm -hmm. thing. It's it's re it's relying on space and that sort of visceral sensation of like how's it feel when you're in that space and, and yeah, yeah. Space. that's absolutely it right there. Like uh, the first all, all of that, all of that. The first twenty minutes of the movie is like walls and ceiling and sound and you have to pick up subtly on what's going on but just right. based on what you can hear and the whole movie has this um sort of uh it, it's sort of filled with old cartoons st stuff that might be on the tv late late at night you know when you're a kid and they're, they're these old strange cartoons that you don't they might be a little weird I, it, it's just one of those things you, you need to experience I'd, I'd be interested to know what you thought of it but um there's just been this discussion about that in horror recently. And I, um, I, I like it. I, I would like to see more sort of experiential liminal things. Um, but I mean, I, you know. I would almost like, it's like this, like, and it is almost hard. To it's explain. hard to pin it's down. Kind of, it's, it's almost like this self perspective, psychological, like horror. Because like, like a really good example, react to different, like aspects of it, but it really like makes you internalize the horror. I would say like a me, really good example is like if you're at the mall and and you took a wrong turn and you're all of a sudden you're in the back hallways of the mall right. and no one's around and it's dark and strange and you're lost yeah. and you're, how do I get out of here? You don't know right. what's around the corner. You don't know where you are. You're in these liminal spaces that are spaces that are only used to get you to somewhere else. Uh, it's just, it's interesting. It's a neat concept. I think it could be used. I mean, you know, that, that has been used for a long time in horror in to build scares and things like right. that. Right. Actually, I thought of uh, regarding your work, the, the scene in um, there's a, there's a dark scene in the, in the little woods where a character is in a garage. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, we can. We can't say who, but absolutely. Yeah. Now, I was just going to say that there are Little Woods is not liminal as no. a story in that way, but there are a lot of liminal aspects to it. Uh -huh. If you want to believe or say that or define it, perhaps guys, as as the as the 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 setting itself becomes a character. Mm. If that's the case, I mean, the woods are very liminal in that way. Um, you know, I try really hard to elicit a feeling from going in the woods that a draws on memory because we all grew up at some stage playing in the in woods right mm -hmm. so a draws on memory but does so in a way where i'm sort of hopefully brushing aside all those happy thoughts and memories and just hopefully screwing in if i do well in certain parts of it screwing into that little piece that you had that you remember was a little seed of fear and i then bring that and i water it and hopefully grow it and that's, that's exactly yeah. yeah, the whole darkness of the woods and the sounds of it and the visceral sensation and the smells and you know you even in that first page I talk about you know where the moss and the and the lichen prosper and the in the dank dark part of the woods I mean all of that's very visceral and creates another character which is the woods or right. the room the garage you're talking about yeah um, Justin yeah for sure where it's just dark and she's going we won't say which one but one of them's going around isn't she around the car it's yep. just around that blazer that plays a part often throughout i think that was maybe the scariest part of the book for me or the most tense you know tense uh I, I just it stuck out for sure uh so well thank you i, I, I really that. did yeah i like that a lot yeah. Yeah, that's very liminal in the sense that you're introducing to me. So yeah, I love it. And, and hopefully if I 
really get into it, maybe I can start adding more aspects of that. Sure. Because sure. that sort of feels natural to me to draw on those kind of emotions from a place and, and how it elicits certain feelings in you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it does bring a whole new character that you don't even really have to, other than describing, actually have to have a backstory to. You right. Know, and so it, it's so visceral and plays a part in that moment that it's almost its own character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and that's something that, that I enjoy in, in movies and stories and stuff. Well, I think there's a universal universality to all of that, isn't there? Right. Because you don't have to have um, an experience in having seen a ghost, which, you know, I have, I've, I've experienced all sorts of ex- and <laughs> ongoing. Um, if you follow my page, I often post stuff about it, about, you know, mm-hmm. things that happen spiritually Um you don't have to have that experience to be frightened by what you're talking about. Right. right? Cause we, everyone has heard a noise in the middle of the night. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it can relate to that. Suddenly your chest tightens, right. And your, your breaths become shallow and you're listening yep. and craning your neck. Like what was that sound? Um, and the dog is suddenly stirring and, and looking at the mm-hmm. door and you're like, <laughs> so I make you freak out a little bit. Yeah, It's all very innocent little things happening. But when you put them all together at the right place, they become quite terrifying. That's universal. We right. have all experienced it. So I, think, yeah, I love that kind of thing. Yeah. I know writing, writing well, Poe, Edgar Allan Poe did a great job on that, setting just a surrounding scene. And it's not even something necessarily that's actually going on. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. And I reference, I, there's lo- several, I don't know if you noticed, there's several nods to Poe in Disciple, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, including the, the, I won't, I won't say that there's parts, five parts to the Disciple because instead they're called the shadows, right? So right. instead of part one, part two, it's, you know, the first shadow, the second shadow. Um, but there are quotes in there from um, Poe and Shakespeare and others. And, there's even a nod in there if you, um, I don't know if you remember or picked up on it, that Diane, one of her favorite authors, is Poe, and she talks about the cask of Amontillado. Yes. And that is a nod to Poe that's big because of what you just said, Chris, that that yeah. is a phenomenal story where if you remember that story where he's going, he, he has a grudge against his friend and he's going to lure his friend down into the catacombs and he's going to bury him behind the wall. Right. And whenever he is going down there and they talk about the dankness of it and the dark and the damp and how there's moss and there's like this, uh, I can't remember the word for it, the white sort of fuzzy um, organic material that that grows on rocks and things whenever you're in a dark, damp place. Mm. And Poe describes all of that so well that when you're reading that, even if you're not like a fan of Poe, because the, writing style of course just like shakespeare is different right um and sometimes it can be challenging right but those moments i highly recommend someone read ask of amontillado because those moments anyone can read them and you can almost smell and experience going down those catacombs where he's going to bury this friend unbeknownst to him because his friend's getting more and more drunk as they go (laughs) right that's very minimal i would think don't you agree with that could be Yeah, yeah absolutely yeah uh you you bring up Poe and I um did you see the pale blue eye? I did. And that was I thought it was excellent. Did you like mm-hmm. it? Okay. I liked it too. 
Um, I, yeah, very character driven, very interesting, cool, fresh take on it. And that actor, what's that gentleman's actor? Uh, the name Christian, of that actor? Christian Bale? No, the one who played Poe. Oh, uh, he's in he's in Harry Potter. Uh, yeah, I forget his name. I could tell you in a second. Yeah, uh, very unique gentleman. He's been in other stuff. He's got like sort of close set eyes, very a little bit odd looking. He looks like Poe. He's yeah, it's right. incredible. Uh, Harry Melling. Yes, that's him. He did. I thought he did an excellent job. Yep. And I love the whole story. I don't know if there was any basis of fact behind it or if it was just a fanciful re uh, creation of the whole thing but i loved it i thought it was really cool yeah i i'm a big christian bale fan and i thought yeah, yeah Melling, Melling was excellent as poe mm -hmm. i've seen other things where they use young poe at the academy and right. it's uh, the, the few that i've seen have been so such a bummer it's like he'll go to a town and meet someone and it's like Hi, my name's Mr. Usher. And you're like, oh, that's where he got the idea for Usher. Oh, it's like, come on. Get, yeah. I hate that. It's like, no. But anyway, <laughs> this movie did this. this movie did not do that. Yeah, no. Um, I, I really did like it. I think the one complaint maybe that people could have, I don't really share this because I like this about it, but you know, it's sort of a procedural that might be a little too procedural, uh, if that right. makes sense, you know. Yes. But for me. I'm I'm along along the way for every step. Uh, yeah. it, you know, it has a little bit of a I don't want to say a Silence of the Lambs, but it kind of kind of fits into that same genre maybe. Um, and I like every every moment of that the investigation and mystery right. and interrogate. Every every conversation seems to be an interrogation. We're right. looking for clues. I like it. I liked it a lot. Chris, have you seen that yet? Yeah, I have. It was very, a really good movie. Very wintry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I liked yeah, it. I liked it too. And it was uh, it was a um a surprising one for me because I was just like, well, I don't even know what this is about. Um, I didn't, I didn't understand at the time. I'm, I'm ashamed to say about the the pale blue eye reference and all that. But, oh yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. And then it all. Then I was like, oh, okay, um, it, it it all fit in, and yeah, I thought it was really interesting. There was another one like that in the western genre with oh my gosh, what is that actor? God, I'm having a brain fart. I love this actor. He was in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And uh, he plays George uh, Clooney. No, no. <laughs> the other one. Um, Gosh. And he plays uh, in a new Western. And I'm not going to give away what it is because then that'll ruin it. But it's the same kind of thing as Pale Blue Eye, but in reverse because instead of this major character's life at the beginning, it's his life near the end. Oh, interesting. I think it was called Old Henry or something like that. Have you guys seen that? Old Henry? No, no. I haven't seen that. I don't think I've even heard of I it. I think it's called Old Henry. I know. And I can I tell you, this? I stumbled on it and I fell in love with it. Again, for me, fit into that gritty Western genre, very realistic, and completely ties in with what you're saying about Pale Blue Eye, where it's, it's about somebody, which I'm not going to reveal because that alone is you know, going to be a major spoiler, uh, but it's about somebody who we all know and about later in this person's life. And Tim gosh, Blake Nelson. Who? Tim Blake Nelson is the actor's yes. name. And he was in the, uh, the Guillermo del Toro TV show in that first episode. Yep. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. He was yep. yeah the one that had the pickup truck and he did, uh, he, he bought out storage units. Yeah. He was a total asshole. Yeah. <laughs> I love that actor. Yeah. And he he's really some, good. Yeah. He was he in Watchmen too. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so if you He's if really you get a good. chance to watch that one, phenomenal okay. movie. It's sort of pale blue eye in reverse. Interesting. There's some there's some interesting people on the cast list. Stephen yeah. Dorff, I really like. Right. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll put it on my list. Is that what it's called? Am I right? Is it called Old Thomas? Old Old Henry. Old Henry. Old Henry. Henry. That's it. Old Henry. Mm-hmm. Definitely recommend it. Um, it was on Amazon um, and it was included in Prime. I think it's you have to rent it now. But Yeah, the trailer's kind of playing in the background over here and it looks worth it. It looks nice and it, yeah, there's definitely a good people in it. So I, I'll definitely check it out. And hopefully they don't give away anything in the trailer that's going to spoil it because nothing big, I've seen. Okay, there's a nothing big thing I've seen. I'll, where... I'll skip away. We'll just turn that off. It's actually about somebody. It's actually about somebody whom I have um, spent a lot of time researching, a great amount of time researching. Mm. And I guess if if you could say that there is an expert without being academically studied on a matter i would probably say that i'm an expert on this individual oh cool because of the research i've done reading everything i could possibly read and actually physically going to these locations and following that person's footsteps and learning everything in firsthand because i'm actually writing something in that which is actually oh i was just going to ask you You do all the work you better use it yeah Yeah. oh i've been doing yeah this has been for the last 10 12 15 years oh this is amazing yeah, so and it w- it will not be horror related at all, but it would, and it might be a screenplay instead of a story. I haven't decided. But, mm. Oh, awesome! Yeah, but that person, and everyone knows that person. I'm not going to ruin it. Is yeah. is what Old Henry's about, which is super cool. That's pretty exciting. Okay. Yeah, it's one of those. And Old Henry has that twist where you're like, ah, that settled yeah. that aha. The little light comes the on. Light on. The Epiphany. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I love films that do that. That literally yeah. shock you. Um, and I hope that I can shock whenever I write, you know, that kind of stuff. I hope that yeah. like, the page of Littlewood shocks. I hope the last page of Disciple shocks. And if it doesn't completely shock, I hope it's unexpected. And you're like, ah, oh, that's oh, okay. Sure. Didn't see that coming. That's what I want people to say. Didn't see that coming. Do you have plans to do screenplay, uh, further screenplays for things? Um, well, like I said, this one I've been working on for a long, long time. Actually, uh, with all the research started, actually have you know, a third of a screenplay for it. Oh. I might end up scrapping that and turning it into prose and changing it to a novel format. Sure. I haven't decided yet, but this, and again, I'm sorry to be so vague and well, you have to, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this person I think gets a bum rap. Everyone, everyone watching right now, I guarantee you knows this person. Um, this person I think gets a seriously bum rap. And I think he's one of the most misunderstood. Here, here's my, here's my, I, he's one of the, mo- he is, in my opinion, one of the most misunderstood contemporary historical individuals in U.S. history. Wow. Okay. Way, probably the most misunderstood, the most misrepresented. And having, having uncovered and unearthed all these amazing things that prove all of that, that that is it's actually you know flipping the script yeah i'm super sure. excited about that and it'll it'll come i can't that's, tell you what format it might well, be sure screen, who knows? that's a that's an interesting angle I, yeah that's yeah. something to look forward to that's really cool screenplays yeah, are harder though they're very screenplays are very structured whereas a prose work there thank god there are no rules for novel right and you know i cringe whenever i see um like people on social media trying to sell, like, here's the format for, you know, how to write a bestseller and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Can you read that and learn? Of course. Right. And can you discuss those kind of things? And, you know, the classic Greek three act structure, we, uh, you know, we reference right. that. 
but as actual rules go, there really are no rules in, in novel. And thank God, right? Because how boring would that be if it was yeah. like, um, screenplays? While there's no rules in the story itself, there are very definite rules in how you write a screenplay. Right. Right. Uh, it's very regimented. It's very structured. Even the way that it is presented is has to be done in a very specific manner. And if not, number one, it won't get read because anyone who would read a screenplay would immediately, without even reading the word, just looking at it, they'd be able to tell that it was not that you were yeah. an amateur and right, it would exactly. just go in the waste bin. Um, so it's a lot harder that way because it's a very disciplined and I have a great deal of respect for quality screenwriters because they're not only doing a great story, but they're fitting it into this very disciplined structure. Um, I don't know if you realize this, maybe this is new. I don't know. Maybe I can share something exciting or interesting. One page of a screenplay should, and typically is expected to represent one minute of mm -hmm. film time. Yeah. I've heard this. Yeah. 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 Right. So if you have a hundred page screenplay, it should be about just a little over an hour and a half movie. Um, and things just right. You start with that and then you get it, you narrow it down and then narrow it down and it keeps going so structured and, and you have to really get, it's a different way of thinking mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm, for sure. When you're yep. writing creatively, it's a very different way to think. And it's very um, verbal driven, of course. Um, and action driven as opposed right. to inner dialogue, inner thoughts, things like right. that. Mm -hmm. That would be a challenge for sure. Uh, looking at the way you've written these other things. Yeah. Right. yeah, it would be a big change. Uh, interesting. Right, though. because I can tell you what Diane's thinking because we're talking in Disciple oftentimes, and I don't know if you noticed, but each of the parts, has, some parts are in first person and some parts are in third person. Right. Mm. And that was also very deliberate. And I don't know how many people pick up on that or whether they don't, but um, that was deliberate because that first person narrative has a great intimacy to it, doesn't it? Right, you're, yeah. It's the person that you're following who's right. relating the story. So you get to hear their feelings from the horse's mouth um, and sure. you get to see their thoughts as they're processing and their memories. And yeah, that's hard in cinematic format to do it. Say that's, yeah, you're yeah. really relying on an actor. Right. Saying, you know, for, but even, you know, just to convey what you're trying to convey, how do you yeah. write that down? How do you get, oh, yeah. how do you pull that yeah. out? And describe that. Yeah, that right. is that is a huge challenge. Mm -hmm. Without Absolutely. going into a whole bunch of flashbacks and things like that, which right. then right. for a movie, you know, you have more. You can be more liberal with that kind of um, that timeline in a novel. In a movie, I think if you start going back and forth all over the place, and because it's condensed typically to ninety minutes anyway, um, I think if you have too much movement in timeline it becomes and we've all seen those movies that do that oh, where yeah. they play with timeline a lot um and it can become very confusing very quickly and before you know it you're like okay we're halfway through this movie which is 40 45 minutes but i'm not even sure where we're at now like what 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 decade are we yeah <laughs> are we in right <clears throat> that's different whenever you can actually see like okay i'm starting this chapter and it says right there in the little woods okay we're in 1977 Right. This is this is the boys' story. Mm -hmm. That's that's what happens in '77. But without having a big scene come up on a TV sh that screen that says 1977, <laughs> which you could, and you'll see that yeah. in movies. But if you get too much of that, then you're again you're breaking that fourth wall, right? Where it you're like, okay, I'm I'm not here in this moment. I'm watching a telling of this moment, yeah. which are two different things. 
Mm -hmm. yeah, I have a great deal of respect for um, people in cinema who can make that happen without destroying the effect that you're actually in that moment. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's no small feat. No, No, for sure. It's a great talent. And and we've said it comes from cinematography. It comes from... We've all seen movies, right, where you, you hear the music. The best soundtrack to a, the best score to a movie will be invisible. Sure. And you will yeah. actually never hear it. And you don't even know that there was one. Yeah. And that's yeah. a fact. And anyone in cinema will tell you that's true. Um, because the moment you start to notice the music, it's because the music isn't right and it's breaking that fourth wall. Yeah. And now suddenly you're hearing this and you're like, oh my God, here comes that silly dum dum dum. <laughs> yeah, just before something big's going to happen. Right. <laughs> right. And it gets corny and silly and it ruins the moment. Um, you know, sets can ruin the moment. I mean, yeah. all that stuff has to be invisible. And all these people work so hard to add something to make it invisible. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean, think about that, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean that—that's what makes something like you know, use an example of with set cinematography and music combined, like the novels of the Lord of the Rings, the original three. Right. That 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 had to be incredibly hard to get that all to work as well as <laughs> imagine did. imagine that being your job you're gonna make this into a movie yeah. even if you had unlimited money it would be such a hard that's, I mean, it's that, impossible that's why it's so impressive it's impossible peter right? jackson did with those th- those first three mm-hmm. you know because yeah. even even when the like you said the, with the music was prevalent it almost puts you in that moment of like what it would be, you know, I've I've seen tons of movies that, you know, that that ambience music or whatever really mm-hmm. takes you out of being in there. But that I think that's mixing that score with the action, with the scenes, with the, the actors. I think that was, you know, I think that's one of the hardest things to do really in in cinema is to to have that so seamless that it keeps you so wrapped up in the moment. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, you know, we've all, I mean, the soundtrack is so, I think soundtrack is one of the things that people probably most undervalue as a viewer absolutely. of a movie or a show. Because a really great example, and I wish I had that, like the titles in mind, but we have all seen, I can already see the see it now. We've all seen like, um, and it happened unfortunately a lot in the 80s. And I hope, I think that people <laughs> in Hollywood learned from some of that. But in the 80s, there were oftentimes these um, historical renaissance kind of knights in shining armor or fantasy and dragon kind of things. And if you notice, a lot of a lot of film relies very heavily on orchestra mm-hmm. and a very classical um, score or classical vibe of score, right? right? That kind mm-hmm. of feeling because it creates it, it you don't hear it so much as you feel it right it creates a an emotion it's emotive it creates an right. emotion in you that you're feeling something's happening but yeah. you don't you're not but you're in the moment and it's helping you feel that right you're not actually going oh let me listen to that score for a second right mm. because yeah. that would ruin everything right it's, it's meant to be supportive and to help elicit and 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 catalyze that really cool feeling whether it's fear or excitement or sadness or romance or whatever happiness or joy 
And we've all seen, especially in the 80s, when they had like, you know, you're going to the knight's going to go face a terrible dragon and suddenly there's a a, a, a synthesizer right <laughs> an 80s like casio keyboard sound going on and you're like oh god hang on a minute what yeah. right? i i man i'm i'm a synth musician and i love those that you're just i i might have to leave this is I'm, i've been <laughs> i've been personally attacked i i'm a huge fan of the synth music you go, you no matter what genre of film Oh my I know gosh. what you mean. You've seen those no. films where something that what you mean. on. No, but I, I, I personally, that's like endearing to me. I guess I love, I love it. I love bad synth. I, I do because I <laughs> make bad synth, synth myself. Um, like, like Yan Hammer from Miami Vice. But you don't want to hear that whenever you're ta- looking at King Arthur and the and the Knights at the Round Table, something like you know the drum machine and all that stuff coming on. I don't know. It could be pretty badass. Well, if it, listen, if, it, if, <laughs> if your idea is to be corny and fun and tongue in cheek and all Absolutely. that, but if you're really expecting that this is King Arthur and, you know, the Knights at Camelot and the round table, it would know, not be appropriate. No, you're one right. You're drum right. Like, you know, Miami Vice. But I kind of do. I don't know. Maybe I'm just weird. I, I do. <laughs> I kind I can't deny this. I like it. That's funny. <laughs> like Star Wars and Empire, right? Oh, those movies, you know, almost went with a disco. They wanted the studio wanted a disco score for Star yeah. Wars, and, right. and uh, they would have they, ended up being like corny and like those. When mm-hmm. I was at college many many years ago, we used to we used to blow off steam every night at eleven o'clock. We would all get together in the main lounge in our dorm, and it would be like eleven eleven thirty. There would be the old Star Treks, right with yep. Shatner. And, the best. Um, yeah. and it, they were just crazy and fun and corny and we just and you know we just loved to love them because we loved to hate them and and diss on them but we loved them really deep down and all that kind yep. of stuff you know what i mean had they gone with disco for those star wars movies they would be in that same classification as old <laughs> shatner you know with the, the guys in a monster suit where it was clearly just you know something they jumped in and right and, and, oh do you mean the gorn um <laughs> right <laughs> but instead you now look at star wars and we all know the death mark song right whenever and that's all that whole classical orchestra playing and building now when we first heard that all of us in the cinema when we first heard that we didn't hear that score we felt like this huge sense of ominous foreboding. Yeah. Sure. And it gives me goosebumps now. Yeah. And suddenly, right, the doors right. slide open. There's steam. And out from that come this cloud comes a dark, ominous, deadly looking figure. And you, I got right. goosebumps. And you're hearing all that emotion from the sound and the, the music. And you're like, oh, my God. But, you know, it took us decades to really, like, watch that and listen for us now to know that dum 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 means Darth Vader. Yeah. Mm. But that's because we have now overanalyzed it and we've experienced it a thousand times. Right. But sure have. At that moment when they <laughs> did that, it was invisible music. It was right. just an emotion that we felt. Um, yep. But it's iconic now, right? Now that you know, now that you know what we were hearing at the right. time. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And actually, you know, in that vein, like the new Mandalorian stuff. Love it. You know, the music with that gives you almost the, the, uh, you know, 
almost a Kurosawa Leone combination. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that that feudal Japan, you know, Lone Wolf and Cub type of vibe with the spaghetti western, the mm-hmm. Eastwood Italian, you know, music. And and now that one has actually very well become iconic. It's perfect. Yep. The theme yeah, is perfect. The music of the show is perfect. It, it's love perfect. it. I love Mandal. Yeah. When I first watched that first season of Mandalorian, I said this is better than the Star Wars movies. I think it's better than definitely some of them for sure. Yeah. No question. Yeah, I yeah. loved it. I thought it was Favreau did a phenomenal job with the, again that whole vibe. Right, it was dark and and gothic and like immediately you just knew that this was just not a happy place to be. Yeah, right. yeah. Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog right. is just sitting yeah. there. <laughs> so just, good. It's so good. I just love it. And then, and then, surprisingly, I fell in love with Baby Yoda. You know, Grogu, mm-hmm. um, and was like, "Wow, this is like what a great." And they did such a great job because it was not, um, it was not silly. It was the perfect amount of endearing and creating a sense of real vulnerability mm-hmm. that Mando has to take care of. Right? Yeah. yeah. Vulnerable little package that means so much but has so little to defend itself mm-hmm. and without him it's a goner and i love how they did all that without it being overly sappy or turning to disney-esque even though this right, is a disney right. production i haven't seen mando 3 yet so i'm excited about that's on my list i pray that they don't turn grogu and i, I hope he doesn't get the jar jar binks treatment and start being corny not yet no, nope, not yet. Not yet. Nope. Okay, good. That's How far yet. along is it right now? I know it's like uh, third right. episode. Fourth? Third. Okay. Third. I thought it was yeah. fourth. You're right. You're right. Fourth You're is right. next week. Uh, I just don't yeah. want to see Grogu turn into a Jar Jar Binks. You know what I'm saying? I don't think there's a fear of that at this point. No, I think you're yeah, I think we're yet. in safe hands. I don't think Favreau would let that happen. No, yeah. I would hate to see that. If suddenly they caricature Grogu because he's he's now such an iconic thing himself. Yeah. yeah, there's always that chance. There's always that chance. I hope have you horny. Have you? Did you ever read any of the Star Wars like expanded universe stuff? No, I no. Sorry, dang, <laughs> dang it. Yeah. Uh, there's some there's some interesting things that are being hinted at in the show that yeah are from the old expanded universe, the old books, stuff I read right. in the '90s that was like you know mind blowing when there were only three Star Wars movies still, yes. and uh, you had to imagine anything further. Right. And, right, uh, right. Now, one I would bet you would really like. It's and it's probably my favorite expanded universe. It's called Tales of the Bounty Hunters. Oh, nice. Okay. And there's one specific story in it, which is a. It's uh, I think it's the the last duel, and it is uh, a aging Han Solo, and a aging Boba Fett. Me. Okay, and it, it's very in that Western vein that you know we talked about, right? And, and I went trying to. I think that's the name of it. I don't have my book with me. I haven't read it since like probably the year nineteen ninety nine, so I don't remember exactly. But I, but uh, I remember the story, and this was one of my things. Like when they were starting all this, I'm like, that would be one of those side stories I would want to see, right? Yep. 
because it it goes back to some of the stuff. It actually, I think part of it is where they got the beginning of Book of Boba Fett. I was going to ask you that if it was connected in any way. Uh, not directly, but I think some of the... You mean when he comes out of the Sarlacc? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dengar. Now, I haven't seen book. book of Boba Fett, yeah. and it's on my list. Is it... Um, does it match up to Mandalorian, or is it... What, what's the, just after thought? episode three. The second half of the show is worth yeah. watching. The first yeah. half of the show... I mean, it's it's fine. It's, it's kind of brainless entertainment, if you ask me, but as it goes, it does tie... If you want to know all of Mando, there are right. literally episodes of Boba Fett that are Mando. Yeah. So you're going to want to see those before and, you watch Mando season three. season three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it is it taking place simultaneous prior or after Mandalorian? It's kind of, kind of after, both. After season two. Well, yeah, I mean, it is kind the of first both. half of it is kind of like maybe would have been considered during season like one. Crossover. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, but once... Well, just, uh, not even really spoiling anything, but with us saying that it ties in after Mandalorian shows up in the series, is is when everything kind of collides. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Interesting. All right. Well, I have that on my list too, so maybe I should actually watch that before I. If you're saying it comes in closely after two, maybe I should watch that and then watch Mandalorian three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think it's episode four. It, yeah, it's literally just an episode of Mando. It's like doesn't even have yeah. Boba in it. Right. Like, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's all about Mando, and it gives Mando one of the coolest. God, I love. I've rewatched that episode like yeah. four times. It's one of the coolest episodes of Mando there is. If you ask I like me, like it, like right. it. So what? One day I'm gonna have um, 223 hours with nothing to do. Yeah, if <laughs> you start on Disney Plus, you can actually do this. Um, if you've seen on Disney Plus, you can actually. Tell you can actually tell Disney you want to watch everything in chronological order. Yes, and it will yeah. start at the beginning and it goes through <laughs> the movies, the limited series, even the, some of the animated ones, mm-hmm. and it goes all the way through so that everything matches and a real chronology of the story. Um, which of course, in you know, in our real time is all over the place. It's yeah. it, yeah, and it's you can watch from A to B, yeah. but it'd probably be like hundreds of hours, but yeah. You know, That'd be a that'd be a wonderful waste of time, wouldn't it? Well, oh, the best. I can't think <laughs> yeah, of a better be one. The best way to waste it, if you could. I can't imagine yeah. when I'm ever going to have that much time. On it. <laughs> but it would be well, cool, right? It would be. It sure would. I, I'll <laughs> join you. Let me know. Yeah, we'll just uh, do it. Yeah, we'll do like a virtual viewing. That'd be fun. Uh, is there anything else, guys? I I think we've probably covered it all. Yeah. There's nothing else we could possibly talk about. Uh, <laughs> there is one more there right now there's one one final viewer who's watching and they haven't given up yet they, they haven't off on no. our ramblings and and thank you viewer for sticking with us yes. we appreciate it um we appreciate all of you uh absolutely sure. is there anything else chris anything you want to mention before we No, not really um ag if you want to just you know let everybody know what's what's more kind of wrap up where they can find you the links for everything and and then we'll sure. kind of close I it up. Appreciate out. that. Thank you. And I yeah. and guys, thanks for having me on again. Oh no, absolutely. We're happy yeah, to have I, you. I'm I'm hoping that you'll just have me on whenever there's new books and whenever you just <laughs> shoot the breeze because sure. I love this. You know, we we've been probably almost two hours. I hope. Yeah. Uh, I hope for I hope people have stayed with us um, and found it interesting. I do. It's just like shooting the breeze with a couple of friends. So sure. I hope they feel the same way because I love my readers, and if this lets them into a more casual, like just 
train, you know, just like an out there thinking, right? Whatever comes, whatever comes to mind, thinking kind of a conversation. I'd like that because that's sure. be illuminating, right? Well, that's you know, kind of absolutely. what we always say. It's like having that hanging out at the video store. So you never yeah, know who's going to walk through those doors. Store, yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Stream, stream of consciousness thought process here. <laughs> I love it. So yeah. hopefully they find it interesting. I, I mean, um, I'm I'm learning about you guys. I hope the readers are learning more about me as well. But, oh, definitely. Um, for sure. So I love it. So please have me back if you if you. We'd be happy to. Yeah. I'd be honored. Um, so we got Shadow Washers coming out late summer. And mm-hmm. I don't have an exact date, but it'll be late summer for sure. Um, that'll complete the trilogy. And again, there will probably be something in there that will give me an opportunity to build on to later. Uh, and then I have several standalones already in the works. Um, and then and just from Disciple, and one more idea came that went on my list when I was writing Disciple. And, and um, I can't say what, because it would give away the Disciple, actually. But um, it would be called... You'll know because you read this. It would be called the book. Would be called Broadmoor. Mm. Right. So if you if tantalizing, if you've gotten that far in <laughs> yeah. Disciple, you'll know what that refers yeah. to, which I think would be an awesome like offshoot standalone, not part. You know, not something you'd have right. to read the trilogy first for. You'd be able to just read it on its own. But I think it'd be a. I could feel that already brewing. So we got that one. Awesome. Um, I have one called Hush Little Baby that I'm working on. Um, oh, that sounds ominous. Yeah. So quite a few going on. So I'm excited about that. Awesome. And I'm going to have a, as many in-person events as I can afford to do with time um, as far afield as I can this year as possible. So hopefully yeah. again, hopefully something in St. Pete, Tampa Bay, Florida in May, hopefully something in Baltimore and then in Denver in um, June, like middle June-ish for those two. Um, definitely already in South Carolina, Columbia in September with the SC Horror. Um, and then a whole bunch more coming up. And um, I'll announce them on the website, which for ease, we'll just say agmock.com. And of course, follow me at Facebook. Just type in, go to Facebook, type in agmock author. Um, I have my official authors page. And then there are two additional groups that are fan pages. Uh, one is fans of AG Mock Horror Author, which is awesome. And you can get in there and talk and share ideas with people. Um, and then a, another one, which is a private group, which you have to like answer questions to make sure that you sort of meet the criteria. And that's <laughs> deliberate is because it's called the um, AG Mock New Apocrypha Group. And that is because they want to actually talk specifically about what's happening mm. in the Little Woods mm-hmm. and what's happening in Disciple. Sure. And to do so on my author's page or the fan page would create terrible spoilers. Right. Um, so it's cool because I'm in all three of them, of course. I, you know, It's my own author's page. But then the two fan pages, I they've kindly let me in. <laughs> so, <laughs> at, least, them. at least I try not <laughs> to like... I try not to like get involved too much in those because I just like the because I have my page for that. You know? Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, I like to be... see the conversations. But the new apocrypha private group, you just have to be able to show that you read the first two books. That's all. Right. Because they don't want you to come in accidentally and get spoiled and then like right. damn, you know. Yeah, but it would have been really very cool. awkward if they wouldn't have let you in those. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I said to that private one, "Thank you for letting me in." I, I, they had some questions, and I got to be honest. For a minute, I had to think. I'm like, hang on a minute, because <laughs> you're, you're working I'm on like, the next. I'm like, hang on a minute. Let me just. Wait a minute. Uh, yeah. <laughs> ah, I got it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
But oh. yeah, it's and that's a much smaller, you know, a few dozen people because it is, you know, you have to read through and all that. But it's super yeah. cool. And it's anyone's welcome to that. You just have to show that you read the first two books. And they have some really cool, like exciting ideas that they're already throwing. Like, I wonder if this is going to happen in book three or if that's going to happen. And yeah, I like it. It's fun. So there's cool. all sorts awesome. going online. You can just you'll find all three of them if you just Google on, or just go to Facebook and type in AG Mock. And I will put the links in the description of yep. the episode. Yep. So if you're listening on Absolutely. a podcast player, look down in the in the links. Or if you're watching on YouTube, it'll yep. be right down below the video. For so. sure. I appreciate it. So I'll hopefully see you again sometime, maybe end of the year after. Oh, Shadow absolutely. Wars. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll have you back during Halloween. That'd be For great. For sure. Yeah. yeah. That'd be great. So, right. okay. Now, next, no, uh, the 28th, the hardcover comes out. The hardcover, if you haven't yet got the early delivery one from the Amazon seemed to be offering, okay. then the official pub date is the 28th, which is, I think, a week on Tuesday. Yeah. Coming up. Yep. I'm pretty sure. So right. today's like the 19th, Sunday the 19th that we're yeah. talking live. So I think it's a week on Tuesday is the hardcover release date. But okay. you can order it now on Amazon. And like I said, some already had theirs delivered. I think Amazon had some like ready to go like you know they had that one in the chamber but um if not then you'll be able to get it and delivered right after the 28th as right. soon as it's as soon as it's officially released um yeah and i'm excited about that it's always nice to have the hardcover out you know yeah, yeah. and uh anywhere on uh audible version audible yes actually i don't have an exact date and that will release i'll again i'll, I'll tell people on inner sanctum first and then and then yep. uh, on facebook but I did hear from Tanter Audio, um, who are my audio publishers, and it looks like that will be sometime towards the end of April. Awesome. Is it going to be the same? Do we, can you confirm? Is it the same narrator or is it a different Absolutely narrator? not, because um, this one is very um, Diane-led narrative in various formats through Disciple. Mm -hmm. So this is actually a female narrator. That's. I think that's awesome. a very good idea. Yeah. So yeah, it's that's be, cool. Thank you. So yeah, and I've you know, and I'm I'm blessed to say that my contract with Tanter gives me the right to you know sort of vet the the narrator voices to make sure I'm happy with them. And mm. the the lady who is narrating it, I think, is exceptional. So I'm super. I can't wait to hear it myself. Awesome. Looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah, awesome. very good. Yeah. So uh, so we had the paperback um, close to Christmas, the sort of endish of. December hardcover end of March and sometime which I'll announce soon towards the end of April will be the audible and then Excellent. late summer will Perfect. be um, Shadow Watchers book three we'll do it all again yep yeah, all over again <laughs> I appreciate great. it guys thank you so much thanks for being no, it was with awesome us today. for having you yeah this is yeah, this I has agree. been great yeah right, well hang um, in there yeah take it easy have a good one thanks for listening this is the way yeah. This, oh, this is the way. That's right. Not this way. This <laughs> is the way. There it is. I see it. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. See you guys. Bye.